One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Be oh, hello. It's you again. Welcome. This is the Cultaholic Classic Raw Review, where we go back in time to that bit when Raw was barely an hour and completely bearable. My name is Tom Campbell and I am joined by senior writer and head pen on this podcast and probably all of Cultaholic, but don't tell the others. Justin Henry's here as well. Hello, Justin Henry. You know, I, I have to check the tape, but I'm pretty sure that compared to my intro last week, Yours is more enthusiastic by at least a little bit. <laughs> no, no, equal levels of infuse. Equally infuse. <laughs> it might be by a hair that you got me. It's, it's pretty close, actually. I never quite know. Um, and it's the same <laughs> with radio, doing radio as well. And I'm never quite sure how to open something. So it does tend to always be just me going, <laughs> oh, hello. <laughs> how are you? Like... I didn't see you there. Hello. <laughs> We're doing a thing. Man, man on the street accosted for interview. Oh, hey. Oh, hello. <laughs> Justin, how the oh, devil you. are you? How the devil are you, sir? I am doing great. I, I should note that we are recording this on the afternoon after Extreme Rules 2018, Monday, July 16th. So, um, because last time we had that issue where we recorded the show and it wasn't posted for a while. Ten. So we were talking nine, about. Nine. Eight. <laughs> Seven, six, five, yes, this, four, this is all timely. Three, two, one, two, yeah! one. Sorry, I just think every time we get close to the, the, a new minute, I'm gonna do that because it's brilliant banter. It'll be funny the first time or two that you do it. No, 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 I that, think every single time hilarious. I do it, it will be equally brilliant. <laughs> Absolutely, it'll never get old. No, it'll, no. it'll never grow stale. People quote, will not be the slightest bit annoyed by it. To quote Alan Partridge, "This is great banter. It really is." <laughs> Sorry, so you were talking about Extreme Rules. I had to do my count thing because I'm clearly Pittsburghian and OCD. And much like Rob Bartlett and Vince McMahon's commentary, it's topical. It's, oh, I think I'd rather have had Rob Bartlett talking about an ongoing murder trial than that crowd counting every minute. Oh, you... <laughs> Pittsburgh, I love you, but you're getting me down. 
Well, one thing at a time here. I, I should note that, uh, I, or I should say, I wanted to make note that we're recording this two days before it's released, as opposed to the first episode, which we recorded about two weeks before it was released. So we were discussing World Cup results on that first episode that were already um, covered in dust by that point. I don't know what you're talking about. The World, the World Cup hasn't finished yet. It's still coming home. England <laughs> facing Croatia in a couple of days' time. I'm so excited, I reckon. Oh, storm yes. through them, and then they're going to... They're gonna, Tom, oh. Tom, Tom. Oh, I know. Football is I have an unfortunate home. spoiler for you. It's not coming no. home, is it? Uh, no. Although I, I will say that it was it was pleasant to watch at Extreme Rules that Ray Rougeau and his commentary partner were not falling over drunk when they were shown on camera. So that's uh, that's it. It was very oh. professional of them. I feel like I want to watch Extreme Rules in French. I want to see whether I, I want to see the the if the joy from France winning the World Cup comes over. Well, the German team wasn't very dour, so that's probably uh, they probably got it out of their system by now. I think, to be honest, England has as well because we we were knocked out on Wednesday. We've since had a visit from Donald Trump and a lot of rain, so everything's back to normal. <laughs> I, I will say the England team had a had a tremendous run, mm. even though you felt you felt just short. It was I thought you were going to beat Croatia, but Croatia was just on this ungodly tear where they just kept winning late. They kept finding just a way to score an extra time or just very late in regulation. But that French team, though, my God. Yeah, they, they were superb. One of the lads was 19 years old. What were yep. you doing when you were 19, Justin? Were you scoring in the final of a World Cup? Um, if by scoring in the World Cup you mean I was delivering pizza to bad neighborhoods, <laughs> then yes, I was definitely scoring in the World Cup. Same thing, same thing. You, do you know what? You actually got paid more to do that than the footballers did. Oh, that's... No, no, it's true, because um, at least this is true with England. Uh, the footballers don't get paid to compete in the World Cup. They don't get paid by England. They may get paid by their club, but they don't get paid. It's, it's kind of... It is like football national service to do the World Cup. So you got paid more to deliver pizzas. You can you can take some solace from that. Yeah. Yes, if I ever run into Harry Kane, I'll be sure to point that out to him. It's like, while you're enjoying the glory of almost making the World Cup final, I was getting paid to deliver pizza and cheesesteaks in rundown neighborhoods. <laughs> so, so, Monday Night Raw, episode 2, January 18, 1993. We are live once more from the Manhattan Center in downtown New York City. And this... Much, much better than that very rough first episode. It was a rough first week. I do believe as well. I'm, I might be wrong, but I feel like this one started with a more ambitious welcome, everyone, from Vince McMahon. <laughs> well, I guess it was a little more enthusiastic. I don't, I don't, I, well, remember last week started out with Sean Mooney outside trying to prevent Bobby Heenan from getting into the building. So they were just, you know, they were heavy on the comedy very early. And then, and this is more of a, you know, let's not f around here. Let's just, let's just put on a show that actually sells the Royal Rumble, sells next week's episode, and actually goes somewhere instead of just trying to. It was a lot less throwing stuff against the wall to see if it would stick. Let's put it that way. Yeah, this did feel like there was, uh, there was, they were building to something as we will get into as we discuss the show. A lot more coherent. Mm-hmm. Although we begin with. A little comedy bit that I'm not sure would be lost on you. You are my age. 
but this was actually an, an Americanized joke. This is uh, Rob Bartlett taking a photo of Bobby the Brain Heenan during the introduction and tearing it into four pieces while saying, fight the real enemy. I didn't – was was that – I, I, I thought it was funny, but I didn't get what the reference was. That was a reference to Sinead O'Connor on Saturday Night Live in October uh, 1992, tearing up a photo of Pope John Paul and saying, fight the real enemy. <laughs> That's actually quite funny then. I didn't know that. We didn't have Saturday Night Live really over here. We didn't really right, get right, to see right. it. That's so it. <laughs> that was lost. But I still thought it was uh, – I still thought it was a funny moment. I still made, it still made me chuckle. Probably one of the funniest things Rob Bartlett did. I'm not sure Vince got it entirely. It's a bit pop culture for Vince. I know Vince encourages pop culture, but he's a bit off kilter with a lot of it. And that was a big point of contention because I think Sinead O'Connor was actually banned from the show after that. <laughs> Which is and, a shame because I was ready for uh, I was I was ready for Sinead O'Connor to set the women's division on fire. I remember it, it, it just a quick, you know, quick and self-indulgent side note. It was a very eerie segment because she was singing the song "War," which I think was a Bob Marley song. I can't remember what, so I could be wrong on that. But she did it a cappella with you know no instrumentation. And when she tore this photo up, it was at the very end. And after she said she said "fight the real enemy," the the director would not turn on the applause sign, so it went to commercial just in bare silence. It was really like almost chilling, just to, just how the whole thing came off. So and, did uh, they not know she was going to do it? No, she uh, she she actually um, in the dress rehearsal held up a photo of a starving child to kind of underscore her point about poverty, but she swerved him on the main show. Oh gosh! And and, and went against uh, what she had shown earlier on in the night. Oh, Sinead, you rapscallion! Yeah, so Rob Bartlett. Not as controversial tearing up a photo of Bobby to bring him. Well, it was going to be a picture of impoverished children, and he swerved <laughs> it at the last minute and had a picture of Bobby Heenan. There's a headlock on hunger joke in there, but I am not ballsy enough to make that. Oh, there's, oh there'll be some later, I'm sure. Yeah. We do get a headlock on hunger promotion later on. Which, we certainly you know, do. Which is noble, but... But the when way... you consider the wrestler that did it, don't say who it is yet, because we'll get yes. to it. When you consider the wrestler yes, well, that did a promotion to stop stop hunger, it's even funnier. <laughs> but we will get to it. But <laughs> but the uh, but the photo but, but the um, photo of Bobby and being torn up was not the most interesting part of this opening segment. It was Repo Man jumping Randy Savage for absolutely no reason, no provocation. He beats up Savage and he steals his cowboy hat. Yeah, we had a we had a repo push within the first minute, and it was genuinely out of nowhere. They would go going through the spiel as normal, and suddenly there's there's Barry Darso in in my favorite Barry Darso gimmick. <laughs> Not Crusher Khrushchev. Nah, it's gotta be Repo Man. I love it because <laughs> there's just something very charming about. A man who works for a collections agency being a massive heel in the 90s <laughs> and dressing like a burglar. Well, it's so many the... mixed messages. And all the dead peas in the crowd hated him. Oh, like... Of course they did. I, Vince, Vince, always, Vince knew that character would get heat in, uh, in the rough bit in New York. <laughs> and, and it must be said that Barry Darso played it to an absolute hill. Oh, Barry just owned it. Barry, th- when you throw yourself into a character like that, it's it's a wonderful sight to see. If you if you go half-hearted and half-witted, it's nowhere near as fun. But I love seeing someone like a Barry just go full Repo Man. 
this was not half-assed in the slightest. This wasn't – not to say that McFoley half-assed anything, but this wasn't like Mankind and Cactus Jack where you can see how one is the other. If you didn't know that Smash was Barry Darcy – or Smash was Repo Man and vice versa – you would never have known based on how he played Repo Man. Well, I didn't until I grew up. When I was a kid, I <laughs> thought they were different people. <laughs> so he jumps Savage, takes the hat, and then runs off into the night. And that's that for now. But it, but it will be – it'll be visited upon later on in the show as a threading storyline. <laughs> Macho Man, four and a half months earlier, was the WWF champion. Now he's having his hat stolen <laughs> by a 300-pound Lone Ranger. <laughs> oh, what a time to be alive. <laughs> Life comes at you fast. And Do you think this was of... Vince's way of discouraging him from getting back into the ring? Because Randy Savage was really keen to get back wrestling again. Do you think this was Vince going, Okay, you want to wrestle again? You're with the repo, man. <laughs> Stick that up your jumper. That's exactly what Vince said. It could be a lot worse than the repo, man, because <laughs> at least he was smashing, and he was a capable performer. And he, I, w- I would think he'd be fun to work with, with, you know, with all the Frank Gorshin laughing and all the all the silly antics of you know, turning his head side to side to make sure nobody's watching him. And it's like, how could you not have fun with Repo Man in the ring? It's very true, and um, I'm looking forward to seeing that as as. We, as we go further into old school episodes of Monday Night Raw. We begin with the opening match, which was a SummerSlam 89 rematch. Mr. Perfect versus Terrific Terry Taylor, the, the wrestler formerly known as the Red Rooster. Terrific Terry Taylor. This is where, is the first instance of the night where it does feel like it's a 90s TV show, but with 80s wrestling. It does. It really does. And especially when Rooster comes out or Taylor comes out with the Rooster music and some of the clucking noises are still heard in it. And also a bit of his mannerisms, almost like he forgets himself a little bit. They still go a little bit, a little bit roostery at points. A little bit roostery. A little bit roostery. Rob Barlett says something on commentary and I can't remember when, but he makes a dig at Mr. Perfect and says, oh, he needs two car parking spaces. Why would Mr. Perfect need two parking spaces? Um, I don't get how that's a dig. Like, does he have a big car? Is he? Does he have a lot of stuff to offload? He could be handicapped. He could be traveling with a handicapped person that needs the uh, space in order to get out of the vehicle safely. In, in which case, it's a real dick move by Bartlett, or or just an observation. Well. It- it should be noted that Bartlett was talking about his parking space as well, and he kept going on about being parked out front of the building, and I couldn't figure out for the life of me why he was doing that. It was just a lot of toss from Bartlett early on. But, At this point, Vince and Rob are on their own. There's no macho man there. Vince may oh no. kill Rob Bartlett. <laughs> Rob, Reaper Man has made the commentary worse. Thanks, thanks, Barry. <laughs> Hashtag thanks, Barry. <laughs> If you think fans hijacking shows is bad, Repo Man jumping one, the conduit for the commentary being at least halfway decent, or at least listenably entertaining, because Savage is, well, Savage is Savage. But Bartlett, or is that, is a Repo jumping Savage and leaving just Vince with Bartlett. 
that's almost unforgivable. That that's probably why Demolition's not in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> Killed it dead for them. <laughs> but Savage does rejoin the booth after a few minutes because even I'm sure somebody backstage probably told him, "Look, I, I need to sell the injury, but it's freaking Vincent Bartlett out there. Just you, know, you put your hand on your head and act like you have a headache or something, but." but Go back out there and commentate because we've got nothing without you. Does he come out? Does he come out during this match, or does he come out after he, this match? It was during this it match. Was during, it was... wasn't it? Yeah, I thought so. And he kind of has this like this mannerism where he goes, "Oh, I haven't got my head." Like he just realized. <laughs> it's, it's like when someone wakes up after a hair versus hair match when when they've had their head shaved and they realize, "Wait, why is all this hair on the canvas?" Oh my god, I'm bald. Savage it is that. It is, like, it is losing the metaphorical hair in losing your hat. Yes. And now, but, and as of this moment, the uh, the hat being stolen by Repo Man becomes the second most stolen item in the history of wrestling. Sorry, the third most stolen item in wrestling history, right behind Winston, the British Bulldog's Bulldog, and the Undertaker's Urn. <laughs> What about Bret Hart's jacket when Jean Pierre Lafitte stole it? Oh well, that's just behind it, in the in the top in the in the top ten steals of, of wrestling in wrestling history. Well, we should save that because we have two and a half years to discuss that. Oh, we'll get to that. We'll get <laughs> we'll we'll be old and grey by that point, but we'll get there. <laughs> so the match is actually really decent. Perfect. Actually, at one point, he hits a legitimate hip toss where he sticks his leg out to the side. And uses that as kind of the uh, the wedge to pull you know, Terry Taylor over into the hip toss, as opposed to just you know putting his arm out crookedly and, and and going through the motions of a hip toss. This was a legitimate hip toss. Very yeah. very nice. I wanted to point that out because I'm like Gorilla Monsoon when whenever he sees somebody apply an abdominal stretch incorrectly, not hooking the toe. It's, it's like, like geez, how are you gonna win a match that way? I want to see moves applied correctly because I'm a stickler. Do you get really annoyed when John Cena does an STFU then? Oh, you have no idea. <laughs> Triggered. And if you think I'm annoyed, Bobby Heenan was quite annoyed when he called in the berate Rob Bartlett. Oh, that's gosh, yeah, realized... we had Bobby Heenan on the phone as well, didn't we? Yes, we did. And that's when I realized he matched both the guys in this match before. But you didn't really acknowledge that because he was too busy talking about plug- plugging all-star wrestling and attacking Rob Bartlett. Well, that's, that's what they wanted. They thought they had a – they thought they needed Heenan to put Bartlett over on commentary, which I don't know what Heenan was going to do to you know augment Rob Bartlett in any way. It's, uh, it didn't add to the match, let's put it that way. It frightens me that we are leading up to a potential Rob Bartlett versus Bobby Heenan match. Which is like the Winston, I'm sorry, the Jameson versus the Genius feud from a year earlier. Oh, God, don't remind me. Uh, we go to break, we come back. And uh, Vince, Vince says at one point during this match, one of these two will leave the building, certainly. And I, and I wasn't sure what to make of that. Well, the one will just live there. <laughs> it's like the, the winner gets the lease to the building. <laughs> and they become the phantom of the Manhattan Center. <laughs> Some say Terry Taylor still lives there now. 
phantom mask over his over his rooster hair. <laughs> but good opening match, though. Really good opening match. It was like had yet another classic move, the jumping ear ringer that Brutus Beefcake used to do all the time, where you put your legs around the guy's ears, and you jump up in the air and do a double stomp, which presumably messes up their hearing. Somewhere a very young, a very young uh, John Paul Levesque is watching that going, if I hook the arms as well, maybe <laughs> jumped do- a bit higher. <laughs> Well, I do think that uh, he was inspired by Ron Bass's version of the pedigree. Yes, Ron, Ron Bass, Bass used to do a pedigree. Outlaw yeah. Ron Bass was ahead of his time. I need to watch more Ron Bass matches, clearly. Yes, you do, especially when he cuts Beefcake's head open with a spur. Oh, that I need to see. <laughs> that I do need to see. Tell you what was nice to see, Ric Flair making an appearance in this match. Absolutely. And Bartlett, of course, has to ruin the moment with a timely reference. That's Mary Jo Buttafuoco. <laughs> For God's sake. Rob! <laughs> Damn Fire it, <Jones>. Rob. <laughs> That's what Vince was probably thinking. Anywho, Flair jumps perfect. Perk is, is thrown back inside, but he immediately counters a suplex into the perfect plex for the win, which Vince calls a superplex for some reason. See, I'm glad you said that because I, I was very sleepy when I watched this episode of Raw and I thought I might have misheard it. But so I'm glad that you heard him say superplex as well. Well, I mean, it, it is super, but it is not functionally a superplex. Perfect chases flare after the match. Good match. And you know it was a good match because you can determine how well a Mr. Perfect match went depending on how noodly his hair gets. Yes. It had looked very noodly at the end. The more ramen qualities it takes on, the better it is. Exactly. And it was it was fairly ramen-y. Fairly ramen-y. And Terry Taylor is left to haunt the building for the rest of his days. He's still there today. He was there at One Night Stand. He, he was there for all the Ring of Honor shows subsequently. Just waiting to get booked. Bless him. He's the dentist stamp of the Manhattan Center. May he rest in peace. Love Dennis Stamp. R.I.P. Dennis. We come back with Vince segueing into an Ico Pro ad, but first he has to go hello at the at the ring card girl, which is very big bopper esque. Interesting looking lady. Yes, I thought not unattractive, just interesting looking. You would say that is definitely a beautiful woman in 1993. From looking at her. Yes, she is very much a beautiful woman in 1993. Mm. And then, so, as you say, we go into uh, an Ica Pro advert from there. Yes, indeed we do. And it's ironic because Bret Hart has gone on record as having said he how much he hates that stuff. You could tell his soul wasn't really in it as he walked through the most neon gym I have ever seen. Talking about how Pro will make you the best there is, the best there was. You could tell his heart wasn't in it. No pun intended. <laughs> Why couldn't they have gotten like Kamala to do the Pro ads? That would have been amazing. <laughs> I'd have loved that. <laughs> Just anyone that makes no sense like Arthur. I'd have bought that. I'd have told it. Which does, it does raise an interesting question. Mm-hmm. And I'll put this to you, Justin. Have you okay. ever bought 
anything because it was endorsed by a wrestler. Indeed, I did. On, on, on many occasions, but one that came to mind, because you, you had asked me this earlier, I bought Stacker 2 pills because WWE endorsed them. <laughs> so you were popping Stacker 2s? For one day. <laughs> why did you not? Why did you stop? Well, it was, I want to say like 2004. I was probably about 19 or 20 years old. I was at the aforementioned pizzeria job, and uh, I wasn't, like, super chubby, but I, I want to get in better shape. So I, I figured, well, you know, Bubba Ray Dudley and Trish Stratus endorse it, so by God, i got to give it a try. And uh, I, I bought a bottle of it from, from, from the nearby drugstore, and I took the recommended dosage, and I, and I went to work. And uh, let me tell you something. I don't know if this is a common side effect of stack or two. But my goodness, I think I started hallucinating. <laughs> and, and this is why. In the kitchen at the pizzeria, there's usually a tray of french fries. Whenever somebody orders fries, they dump them in, into this metal tray and they, and they put them into the bags from there. So some leftover fries get left there and, and us employees in passing would grab a handful if we were hungry and send something to nosh on while we work. So I was a frequent French fry eater there, and passing by this tray on this day of my Stacker 2 dosage, I, I developed an irrational hatred of French fries. I would look at the tray of fries, and I'd be like, who the hell could eat this? And I started hallucinating for some reason, and I, f I figured that has to be the effect of the pills. It makes you hate food. That's why you lose weight. Like, it's an anorexia inducer of some sort, and that was it. I never took them again. I was tempted and coerced into trying five-hour energy drinks mm. because I'd seen Kurt Angle drinking them at TNA. <laughs> <laughs> and they're only little, little bottles. But uh, I had one, and then I remembered that I, like many members of my family, suffer heart palpitations and i shouldn't oh. really have energy drinks so for, for for a good for a good couple of hours i'm sure i could feel like my heart about to fall out <laughs> didn't didn't it, do that again it's funny because i tried that before and it seems to have like no effect on me whatsoever it's five hour energy that you is. have too much energy is what it is it's possible i mean i, I do drink at least a can can and a half of monster a day on average Wow. I see. I quite like the taste of Monster, but I just can't drink it because it makes me very poorly. But um, I put this out on there on Twitter just before we started tonight, Justin, uh, to ask the question, um, have you ever bought something endorsed by a wrestler? So thank you very much if you got in touch in no particular order. Uh, Philip Goad says, does buying a JVC boombox because of the Kaboom of the Week count? Yes, sir, it does. Do you remember the Kaboom of the Week? Yeah, that was like the JVC Kaboom box, wasn't it? That was it. It was like the Slam of the Week, but it was the uh, the Kaboom yeah. of the Week. Boom. Where's the Kaboom? The boom. We were expecting an almighty Kaboom. <laughs> yes, Marvin the Martian was very big on um, you know, subwoofers and bass-heavy music. Very much so. Uh, Joe Petrillo, very much like you, sampled the, the mm -hmm. fineness of Stacker 2. He says, nothing better as a junior in high school, taking enough stackers so you could see your heart beating out of your chest. <laughs> Hi to Talise Starseeker, who actually bought Bootios. 
She sent picture I, evidence as well. She owns Bootios. I've, I've seen it in stores. I've just never actually bought it. I, I hear it's actually half decent. There was only one store in Newcastle that did it, and it was the the former wrestling shop called Phil Nelson's Wrestling Store. Did you get it? Phil Nelson. Ding. Ah. Uh, but sadly, shut down. Uh, so my hopes of getting Bootios from around the corner have since faded. Uh, Talise also tried Slim Jims when she was younger because of Macho Man, but then didn't we all? It's very true, actually. Macho Man did help us snap into a Slim Jim. Oh, that was the obvious one, Slim Jims. That should have been the first one I thought of. We've all snapped into Slim Jims. It's fine. Uh, Graham Wright says, not exactly endorsed, but I bought Monster Brawl, the movie. It is the worst film ever because it had Kevin Nash and Jimmy Hart in it. That was the only reason he bought it was because Kevin Nash and Jimmy Hart were in it. They didn't make but, it the so worst wait, ever. But, but wait, I, I was going to say, that, like, like, I bought it because they were in it, but it's the worst movie ever because they were in it. Like, I don't think, like, it, I don't think there's a correlation. I don't think they, oh, okay, I don't okay, think they either like, uh, helped it or hindered it. Because I was going to say, that's like, that's why you buy a Tommy Wiseau movie or an Ed Wood movie, but not necessarily a Kevin Nash movie because he was in the long, uh, Longest Yard remake, which was... Well, they probably shouldn't call it The Longest Yard, but it was a half-decent comedy. He's actually not a bad actor, is he? No, I mean, he was the one that took the, the um, what was it, the uh, like, uh, gender-bending pills, and he, he started becoming more feminine as the movie went on. That was so funny. Which, which I'm pretty sure they couldn't do that joke today. No, that joke very much is, is past. It's of a moment, but it was still very right. funny. Uh, <laughs> Simon Pike, who says... I bought a really thick, cheap-looking Hardy Boys necklace with weird metal pearl-looking bits around the neck. I never yeah. wore it. It's huge. And pearls around the neck, that's... Um, I can see why you wouldn't want to wear that. That's, 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 that's all sorts of connotations. Hi to... Um, Jack... Jack611 underscore 67. That's a really catchy Twitter name. Uh, hi, Jack. Love you, Jack. Uh, he says, I went to a restaurant one time when I went to Dublin because I'd seen Finn Balor tweeting saying that it's his spot. So me and my pals didn't know where to go. So we went there. So a restaurant endorsed by Finn Balor. I'd like to know how good that restaurant was. So if you are listening, Jack, do let us know because uh, I'd like to take a trip to Dublin and go there myself. Well, Finn smiles a lot, so maybe the food's good. There you go. Well, yeah, and he's in, decent, he's in decent nick, so therefore it can't be that bad. Um, why is he smiling? Because the food's good. That's exactly why, and not because he is, he is an icon for everybody. Uh, Harvey S. on Twitter, whose actual Twitter name is funnier than the real name, because Twitter name is Stone Cold Jane Austen. <laughs> <laughs> Jane Austen's mafia. That would be, that'd be an impressive version of Pride and Prejudice. <laughs> I specifically bought untold amounts of cans of Chef Boyardee overstuffed ravioli because real Mick Foley was in the commercial. <laughs> <laughs> I stole Chef Boyardee, but not because it's endorsed by wrestling. It's because it's convenient and semi-yummy. Is it overstuffed, though? Uh, not the overstuffed. I always buy the spaghetti and meatballs or the beefaroni. Just enough. because it's convenient and if I'm... If I have a long work day ahead of me, just throw it in the microwave for two minutes. Boom, it's done. It's sustenance. Easy it's not high-quality food, but yeah, it's, I've been eating since I was like six years old. My it's diet has barely changed at all. See, I've never tried it. I now want to try it. Uh, it's, it's, um, it's palatable enough. 
I think they write that on the tins. Palatable enough. <laughs> I believe that's a, a slogan they're very proud of. It's palatable enough. The, the FDA said, yeah, why not? The FDA said, this is definitely food. <laughs> the, the FDA said, your bribe is sufficient. Uh, Brendan Hearn bought Fruity Pebbles because John Cena was on them. When the when the Rock's insult became an actual marketing tool. Hey, whatever works. Imagine that's the power, the power of the Rock to do that is amazing. Um, Airwalker UK, a.k.a. Matt, uh, says, oh, this is brilliant. This is this might be my favorite, Matt. I had the Hulk Hogan cover of My Gang on cassette. Neither of the neither of these things has aged very well. <laughs> There's a whole lot in wrestling that you can say that about. Mind you, today Hulk Hogan has been reinstated into the Hall of Fame. Um, I doubt Gary Glitter has been reinstated into any kind of music Hall of Fame. But mm, no, uh, you don't often hear the Hey song at sporting events anymore. Rock and Roll Part Two. Nah, they tend to steer away from that now. I think. Yeah. Uh, we'll do one more. We'll do one more, and then we'll crack on. Adam Humphreys says, one of the reasons I used to buy Buster, which is a British comic series, back in the day, was for the official Big Daddy comic strip. I vaguely remember this. That sounds very 80s. It was, yeah, Buster, and it was... That was it. It was kind of like a Beano Dandy type situation, and they had a Big Daddy comic strip where he'd fight <laughs> all the baddies. And, so uh, he end up smashing people around. It was brilliant. I don't know how good your comic book acumen is, but who would be the American equivalent of Buster? Um, like, like, like Archie. Well, Buster wasn't a. Um, it wasn't one singular character. Okay. Uh, Buster was a comic that consisted of lots of comic strips of lots of different characters like over here we had like buster we had the beano and the dandy and it was a comic book but it was like you'd have recurring characters who had their own stuff going on so in the beano you had like dennis the menace and Minnie and the bass street kids so they wasn't like it wasn't like one person it was a series of things and buster was one of the lesser known ones out of that one but it was a, it was it was made in the north because it was one of the feature comic strips was andy cap who is a, a, a character born out of hartlepool in the northeast it's just this i have a bag of andy cap hot fries sitting next to me pardon have you heard of andy cap hot fries no is that a thing absolutely they're one of the best snack foods you could ever eat and i have a bag sitting right next to me right now they still sell them but it isn't based on the flat cap wearing oh yes Northerner it, is. It, it is it certainly is wow in hartlepool there is a statue of andy cap that gives you the idea of the <laughs> cultural significance in hartlepool wow there I was is an actual eating... statue of andy cap i was actually snacking on a bag last night during the pay-per-view oh wow <laughs> What a dream. So, yeah, so there is actually a tedious, tenuous connection between Andy Cap and British wrestling, and that's what it is. Big Daddy used to live in the back of the comic. And not just that, but a much more a much more tenuous connection between Andy Cap and Ico Pro. Yeah, because Andy Cap was on copious amounts of Ico Pro near the very end of his comic run, and, but we don't talk of that era. Yes. 
I'll tell you what, while I um, introduce this next bit, how about you Google handicapped hot fries and just blow your own mind? Okay, you get yourself ready. I'm currently Googling Andy. In the meantime, we have Vince interviewing WWE champion Brett the Hitman Hart. Brett has a very interesting look. He is shirtless with jeans and winter boots, plus his leather jacket. And the interview, of course, is to set up the Royal Rumble Championship match against Razor Ramon. Razor was on last week with a with some very interesting sartorial choices of his own. Brett mentions that Razor talked about slapping Stu Hart. If that were true, Razor would not have lived. Right. And because it's Bret Hart, he uses the word scum a lot. And, and actually utters the phrase, I'm going to kick you down on Conscious Street. Kick you down on Conscious Street. I, I couldn't tell if it was on Conscious Street or Unconscious Street. I'm going to... I played it three times and I, I was completely... I was baffled by this. I'm going to... People are going to fall out with me here. Um, but I feel like I need to stick my head on the uh off take my take my head off the fence i don't think mid-90s bret hart is a very good promo <laughs> and i think his music at this point is a bit crap it, it is still the generic heart foundation theme although it did it didn't have some bite to it. It wasn't quite a main eventer song. You forgot how much that electric guitar added to that music until you heard this, and it was just wow. It just feels so stunted. Just as wailing guitars from the '94 version onward, that was that was a major upgrade. I mean, Heartbreak was just dan 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 dan. It was like like over and over again with. I guess you can call it a chorus or just like a second verse or whatever. And then, and then, think about this, right? In the late nineties, he had like ripping electric guitar that would just pipe up throughout it. And instead, you had like this little just sounded just crap, just crap. Not main eventer, not a main eventer promo. But I will say. That belt suits him more than anybody else. That is a cracking belt-person combo. Well, the winged eagle is an upgrade for anyone that holds it. Oh, it's a beautiful <laughs> belt, but I think Bret Hart wore that particular WWF championship better than anybody. A six becomes an eight, and eight becomes a ten, and a ten becomes Pantheon level 12, holding there that championship go. belt. Exactly that. So we come to your favorite part now. The Undertaker and Paul Bear promo for Headlock on Hunger. Wow. So this was a real thing that happened. This was The Undertaker talking about stopping starvation in Somalia. Of all the people that I would want to, to, to back my corner to stop hunger, it wouldn't be The Undertaker and Paul Bearer. One, because The Undertaker is quite literally the dead man. And Paul Bearer doesn't look like he's had an issue with hunger ever. Like, it's, they just don't work. It's, you want it to be sincere to a degree. Because, I mean, it's a very serious issue, poverty, especially, you know, starving children. Yeah. That's something and that... Paul Bearer still had the shrill, oh, yes. yes they did it in Them character. children are starving in a minute. Like, ruined it. Ruined it. <laughs> now, I could see Bret Hart doing this. 
you know, talking sincerely about why we need to be very giving and, and help others who are less fortunate. I could see Randy you know Savage. Done? Swap them. That? Swap them. Have Undertaker and Paul Bearer do the promo with Vince and have Bret Hart do headlock on hunger in Somalia. That would have been a fair trade-off. Much better. I could think of a few other babies that could have done this. You know, Mr. Perfect could have done it. Randy Savage, even even in character, Savage with his you know baritone voice could have come off, you know, a, a, a bit sincere doing this. Now, I mean, Steve is a very charitable guy. He's a great with kids. Randy Savage, he would have done it probably probably very well. But when you have Undertaker at the very end of the promo, raising his brimmed hat head ever so slightly and going, "No one should starve to death." And putting his head back down. I don't That's, want uh, those children to rest in peace. <laughs> <laughs> <Could> there, <laughs> and, and you know, I, I'm, I'm sure Undertaker was sincere in wanting to help. I'm sure Paul Bearer was sincere in wanting to help. I don't doubt it. I don't doubt. I don't doubt that both of them are, and in Paul Bearer's case, were kind-hearted people. But it's just, it's such a bizarre juxtaposition. It's like, who could have been more unusual? Like, like in, I, in, in I, his... In, not just Man, country, I think maybe <laughs> would have been the other one. <laughs> Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, kids, if I could steal food for you, I would. <laughs> Actually, that makes more sense than The Undertaker. Still going, oh, my Undertaker is upset that Children need some food. No, he's not. Don't, don't pretend. <laughs> Repo hijacks a, like a, a food ship and drives it over everywhere it needs to go. That would have been amazing. <laughs> I'd have backed that cause to the hilt. That'd be the best baby face turn in the history of wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> he is the Robin Hood of, of non-perishable food. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, 
No, I can't. I can't do it. <laughs> oh. Oh, God. It's tough because I've, I've slightly lost my voice in the last couple of weeks because I've been a bit poorly. So I've not oh. got my full range back. So every time I start laughing too much, I start coughing. Okay, well, don't think about... I can't about not Richard. think about it now. <laughs> Which also means I can't do a proper poor bearer impression because if I do, it goes, oh, my Undertaker. So when I've got my full range back, I'm going to hit you with that Undertaker impression again. Well, Tom, let me do the voice for you. <laughs> my Undertaker... We'll assist the repo man in hijacking that fruit ship. <laughs> Why is it a fruit ship? I, I guess I guess, I guess that, uh, just a ship that brings food. Man, I'd like, you know, imports or whatever. I'd like to think that Vince gave some serious thought to dropping Ica Pro over Somalia. <laughs> and they send it back. <laughs> We're not eating this. We'd rather starve. Well, there's a couple of us who have, and they are now just ripped to smithereens. <laughs> well, if you uh, if you don't want to laugh, let's talk about Rob Barton's commentary in this next match. Oh, okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll go easy on your poor vocal cords here. Do you know what? With this next match, it was um, it was was it it was Crush, wasn't it? It was not. It was Marty Jannetty. Sorry, it was Marty Jannetty because Crush pops up in a minute. Marty Jannetty. <laughs> Uh, versus, and I looked at the guy and I went, oh, I'm going to Google him. I'm intrigued to see. And it shows you, like, how long it's been since I've thought about this person. I thought, I'll Google him and see what he's doing now. Oh, my God, it's Thrasher from the Headbangers. Yes, before he was Thrasher, he wrestled under his real name of Glenn Ruth. Marty Jannetty versus Glenn Ruth. And, uh, of course, Rob Bartlett has to say, Babe Ruth's illegitimate son. Ah, oh, here he goes. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, there is. I give that a five out of ten as gags go. For that, Rob is, that, that is generous. He that has is... done worse. All he has to do is match a last name. How many roofs do I know? How many roofs do I know? Oh, is he the son of a baby Ruth candy bar? <laughs> that would have been obscure, but not as funny. Exactly. But no actual was... thrasher from the Headbangers wearing <laughs> the Save by the Bell opening sequence as his pants. <laughs> <laughs> You could not tell this was Thrasher by looking at him. No, he looked like Ryan Reynolds and Dean Malenko had somehow exactly. been spliced together. Dean Malenko, I saw. That that came to mind immediately. A bit it's... Ryan Reynolds in the face. You know, maybe a little bit. Maybe, a little bit. Maybe Thrasher is kind of Deadpoolish. He is a bit Deadpoolish, and now I want to watch old Headbangers matches and see how true that is. Marsh and Deadpool. Oh, that'd be mm. fun. Yeah, so Marty Jannetty in uh, in, a, in a wonderful time in his life where he he looks well. <laughs> that was my first thought. I well, I thought as he ran down to the ring, he looks well. That's lovely to see. He was still performing at a very high level, no matter what was going on in his life. And this was building up to the Rumble as well, wasn't it? It was him versus Sean for the, for the Intercontinental Championship, and Sean does call in during the match. That's our, that's our second call in on this show. How do you feel about the phone-in bit? Um, it kind of takes away from the match, but at least it doesn't end with people making buzzer noises. So that's kind of an upgrade over, well, you know. I mean, it does further storylines, especially during like a squash match like this. You know, you're hyping Sean versus Marty on Sunday. 
so you have Marty on the show beating up a jobber, and it'd be one thing to have you know Vince and Savage, and if he knows what the hell's going on, knows what day it is, have Bartlett help out, help, you know, help promote that match, make fans want to see it in six days. It's better to have Sean call in and help sell the conflict even further. So I'm okay with it. And I think it's got that that more contemporary feel than what I think what they would have probably done before this is have the little insert promos with the wrestler going, hey, I'm fighting Marty Gennetti in a bit. And sure, you know, Shawn Michaels giving it all that. At least if him sure. phoning in makes it feel a bit more like it's happening in the now. Mm-hmm. And, and know, it, it I, is... I, I wonder how that would work now. If you were to have like, oh, so and so is calling in via Skype, yeah, FaceTime. We're FaceTiming right now with, but mind you, every bugger's on Raw every week anyway. So there's no reason for them to not be there. Exactly. What they would do now is have them on guest commentary, and then late in the match, have them do a run in the for the DQ, or, or you know, just have them make contact with each other during the show. So it's like you know, well, we've already seen one guy beat up the other. So why should I watch the match on Sunday? You know, by holding them apart like this. True. You know, Basic it, wrestling. It's just, it's, it's, it's 101. It, it, it worked 1993. Could work today. Man, I mean, I'm not a booker. I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm doing a podcast for, for, for a 25 and a half year old roll episode, so. What do we know? What did you think of the match, though? It was fine. It was just your bog standard squash match. The most interesting part is Savage still being pissed about his hat and Sean calling Marty a simpleton. So, there was that. Standard. Standard. Just match to showcase Marty Gennetti ahead yes, of the Rumble. A... Just nice to yeah. see him looking well. While Savage grapes about his hat and Bartlett talks about his car being parked in a certain spot. There's too... There are too many threads here and I, and I care not where any of them go. <laughs> Little did we know that they would dovetail. So right, so coming up now, we actually do get Crush. Yes, it was uh, it was the promotion for the. It was um, oh, it, it was talking about the uh, angle of him and Doink, which is what wrote Crush out of the Rumble match. And Bartlett tries to explain the storyline, and he can't quite get it right because he says Crush didn't have a leg to stand on, when it wasn't the leg that was the issue; it was Doink's arm. Jesus. And Vince makes the. And Vince makes the most annoyed face imaginable at Rob Bartlett. Vince, I'm amazed Vince hasn't killed him. Exactly. The expression on Vince's face was, if there weren't cameras and 1,200 witnesses, I would gouge out your eyeballs and hang them from the rearview mirror of my car. After the doink bit, we get an advert. Did you get this on yours? Would this be... um? The, 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 the mom and dad asleep. Oh, yes, the, for WWF Mania. The parents waking them up, and then WWF Mania comes up on the telly, and they all get up and all go downstairs, and they all sit there having breakfast watching Kamala and Yokozuna and Big Boss Man punch so hard, punch the camera so hard that it knocks the dad off his chair. Yeah. If my kids, if my kids woke me up to watch Todd Pettengill on a Saturday morning, there would be no Christmas. <laughs> But it's fine because WWF Mania is caffeine free, which is a really weird slogan. 
wait, wait, wait. It's caffeine free, so it, so it wouldn't wake. Caffeine wakes you up. Exactly. That's why you drink. So that's why like, you drink coffee in the morning. So it's. So what what you're saying is, this will have no effect on you whatsoever. Yeah, I I think, and I thought about this, and I thought, <laughs> okay, so what they're trying to say is, there's no caffeine, but you don't need it because it will wake you up. But it kind of it's almost a double negative because it's going 100 yeah, percent caffeine free. <laughs> Uh, it's just, just don't it's just, say that. <laughs> it's like we're benign. You know, we're we're flavorless. <laughs> like we no forgot artificial ingredients. Great. <laughs> I'm sure for as, you. As plain as a concrete slab. <laughs> What's funny is seeing the name WWF Mania because, um, gosh. It would be what now? <laughs> Nearly like about seven or eight years ago when it was genuinely bounded around, banded around that WrestleMania could become WWE Mania. Like it was, oh, yeah. this, it was in this real push to get rid of any mention of wrestling and wrestlers. You know, yeah, they, they were all entertainers. I think they've eased off on that now, which is a relief. <laughs> And it yeah, was, there was there was talk uh, that the word wrestle would leave WrestleMania eventually. It's just a weird modification of the lexicon based on Vince's whims. You know, it's superstars, and you know, it's, I paid no mind to that because because eventually it all works itself out. It's quite funny because online you can find this online. Somebody got hold of a uh, a script a a commentary guide for the WWE. Mm, certainly, I, I, I do remember this. It was. It's like what what words you should avoid and like how you should sell certain conflicts. Do not use pronouns. I mean, controversially, I quite like stuff like that because in I mean, radio is is similar. Like you you yeah, there there's every radio station I've ever worked sure. at. There is a a style guide. Sure, that's... of sorts where they'll say, look, you know, this is it's the, you know a lot of stuff's obvious. It's you know don't insult songs that you play because it's somebody's mm. favorite you know this is you know if you play songs of this genre mention if you play an 80s song talk about our sister 80s station you know throw to the 80s show on a friday night and, sure. and it's the same with the commentary and it was amazing how when this was published there was this big outcry about how commentators are stifled but it's it's kind of it's world building almost if you're if you know you're you're saying you must refer to these people as this thing and you must refer to they're not belts or straps they're championships it's adding well, that, that world buildingness to it like i'm okay with there being rules i i understand why you would structure it a certain way it's just that some some of the rules were just you know, a little far-fetched and a little silly to someone that's like I wouldn't care about that as a fan. Why would you obsess over that? Exactly. I think the I think dropping wrestler and turning them into entertainers was a particular low point. It's, and uh, I wonder how thick Bartlett's um, style guide was. His his rules of the road. I would love to see it. He's not even looking at it when we come back. He's too busy snapping into a slim gym. If if he still has it and he ever runs on like financial problems and he puts that up on eBay. I will sell everything I have just to acquire that and beat everybody else out on that bid. <laughs> so Bartlett's eating a Slim Jim. Yeah, and, uh, plug. 
we yeah, it's very subtle plug. I do like it. Uh, so while she's munching on some salted beef sausage that's been cooked and frozen over many years, uh, we go to Sean Mooney, who I think has been backstage outside of Raw for a week. Yes, he's been he's been feeding the pigeons. He's been taking um he's, he's been playing he's been the guitar on the street corner for money. Doing yes, all that he's, stuff. Yeah. he's had like a five o'clock shadow. That's like. Like borderline ripped, torn beard at this point. Just living on the streets. Oh, Sean. Someone let him in. Someone let Sean Mooney in, please. He's cold. He's cold and he's hungry. Like but... the kids in Somalia. <laughs> <laughs> We're not going to feed you, Sean <laughs> We We know you have access to food. <laughs> you will rest in peace. Oh, thanks. <laughs> so... Mooney's interviewing Repo Man, and we have this charming split screen in which Repo's taunting Randy Savage while wearing his cowboy hat. And he says the reason why he beat Savage up to take the hat. Are you ready for this, Mr. Campbell? I'm ready. Because Savage was late on the payments for his hat. Who in the unholiest of hells puts a down payment on a garish-looking cowboy hat? How flat broke do you have to be that you have to pay for a hat in installments? There's an old Jeff Foxworthy joke. It's one of his redneck jokes where it's, if you've ever financed a tattoo, you, you, and then you point to it and you go, three more payments and this son of a bitch is mine. <laughs> oh, that's the, I've never known anybody finance a tattoo, but that's that's a pretty tragic state of affairs. Almost as tragic as a man having to finance for a hat. Not just, not just any Because man. Savage didn't deny it. Not just any man. The man who the previous year had reigned for five months as the world champion of the biggest wrestling promotion on God's green earth. Maybe it's just a tight ass. Maybe it's like the hat was $35, but if you paid in installments, it worked out at 33 I don't know. I'm, I can't reason it because he didn't deny it. Now, to be fair, to be fair, the hat he wore at his wedding at SummerSlam 91 is one of the greatest hats of all time. He could have sold that to buy this one. Exactly. This was not that hat. This was not even in the neighborhood of his wedding hat. This was a party hat in comparison. This was... This, this is like one of those derbies that they wore in like the early twenties. They were they were fashionable. It was like a der- it was like a derby that had been splashed with eighties, basically. You know what it was? It was it was a goddamn propeller cap by comparison. Imagine being so broke that you have to die. and you're sat next to your boss, and like surely Vince will be like, "Hey Randy, if you need a pay rise, you you, you could just ask." Like, <laughs> Why? Why are you paying? Why are you paying a deposit on a hat? <laughs> maybe com- maybe being a commentator doesn't pay as much as being a wrestler, and that's why. And Savage's lavish spending habits have finally caught up to him since he was out of the ring. I'd be embarrassed if I was Vince. <laughs> I'd be embarrassed. The guy in commentary literally has to pay for a hat in installments. <laughs> and my next note on here was at, 
after the uh, down payment on the hat part, or late on his hat payments, I had to hit pause and laugh for three straight minutes. <laughs> that, that was funnier than anything Rob Bartlett would say over the next 13 weeks. You can't, oh, you can't put a price on that kind of comedy. So funny. So, so Savage is, is out for blood, and he's out for his hat, presumably. He's out, he's out. He's, he's got several blood payments hat. to go. Forget blood diamonds. This is blood hat. See, that's the worst thing as well. Not only is he taking a down payment on a hat, but he's missed payments. <laughs> like, he's so broke that he can't even afford the payments. And he's jonesing to get it back. Because <laughs> why would you put payments on something that you don't have in your possession? He's got to get this hat back, Tom. Good Lord. Oh, man. I want to I wanna start a GoFundMe. I'd want to start a GoFundMe for obviously he's no longer with us, so I can't. But I'd want to love at this point to start a GoFundMe for him. <laughs> Buy him some hats. Buy the man some hats. Outright. I think we just put more thought into this storyline in the last five minutes than they did back in 1993. Oh yeah, in the 93 they just went, "Why is Repo attacking Savage?" I hasn't paid for his hat. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Next. All right, Randy, here's the angle. We're gonna have Barry steal one of your boots. I'm gonna be walking funny if you do that. All right, find your hat then. Whatever. Just, you haven't paid for it. Go team. <laughs> so we go to the Royal Rumble Event Center with Mean Gene Oakland. Yeah, just very basic stuff. Just you know, promoting the matches. It's six nights away. Interview from Razor. He does the whole gold around my neck, gold around my fingers, gold on, on my waist spiel that would become his 1993 identifier. Rundown of all the top matches, which were Brett versus Razor for the world title, Sean versus Marty for the Intercontinental, and, of course, the 30-man rumble itself. No mention of uh, Bossman versus uh, Bigelow, I don't believe. Is that just one of those extra matches they just sort of chuck in there at the end? I think that was just... like the, He always had like four undercard matches back then, and that was like the fourth one, because Bossman was clearly on his way out, and that was just a way to get Bam Bam over. So it was just... It was, it was a there match. But it was fine. Fair enough. So now we have Savage out in the streets looking for Repo Man because we ain't we ain't done with the storyline yet. Oh no! He's got to get that hat back. Hell he yeah! He hasn't paid for yet. Savage is wearing the following items. I had I had to write all of these down <laughs> for posterity, so in case nobody believes me. A fringe jacket with a neon circle pattern. Red and yellow cowboy boots tights, a bow tie and a tuxedo shirt, and as he's roaming the streets of New York City on a Monday night, I'll bet nobody batted an eye when he saw this man wearing this ensemble, because it's New York City, and there's a lot of weirdos in New York City. It's pretty standard attire for New York City on a Monday night. And as I, as I wrote down, I'll bet nobody batted an eye, Rob Bartlett made a similar joke. And then I felt awful because that means that Rob Bartlett and I think alike. Oh, my God, he did. Oh, Justin. And then I fell into a clinical depression for several days, at which time I snapped out of it and then watched the main event. See, I was more concerned with the fact that if he hasn't paid for the hat, has he paid for any of that outfit? Maybe that was the problem. Maybe he paid for everything else first. And, and, and he realized he was out of money, but he had to have the hat to complete it because it's like 
It's like a birthday cake with no candles on it. You know, what good is the cake without the candles? What good is Savage's ensemble without the hat? But he had to break the bank in order to do it. Exactly. So he says, All right, I'm going to swallow my pride. I'm going to get a down payment on this hat. <laughs> I can't get a loan for whatever reason, so... I'll pay you X amount of dollars for the next 12 months. I'm going to log on to Wonga.com. <laughs> it's good to have an amigo. <laughs> Vince won't let me wrestle, so I'm going to get a second job working at FedEx Kinko's. That would have been fun. Those, those are skits for days. <laughs> Savage doing anything. like It's like the Osborne's reality show. Like Ozzy doing household tasks was the greatest thing in the world. That was the highlight of that program when Ozzy was just wandering around, dazed and confused. <laughs> like, like Ozzy's functioning in, in normal family life. Like, no reality show will ever come close to, to that zeitgeist, ever. And I love the fact that... <clears throat> excuse me. I love the fact that Ozzy Osbourne, in that program, put the, put the, the West Midlands accent on a worldwide stage. Put the Bromley accent on a worldwide stage. <laughs> And thankfully, the show paid him enough that he didn't have to put down payments on anything he wore. Exactly. Good old Ozzy. Um, away from Savage searching New York for his lost hat, we come back to uh, the arena, and there's a raw lady in the ring holding up a sign that says, That wasn't nice. <laughs> well, we're talking theft. <laughs> It's just a very particular sign, but then on the other side of it, upside down, it says, that was raw. (laughs) That wasn't nice. That was raw. 100% caffeine free. Whoever is coming up with slogans for this company needs to be put in a bin because these are awful. It should have had a repo do it. They could have had anyone do it. The, the slogans and the, for this company in, in the 90s, it's like it's somebody throwing a dart at cool and just hoping for the best. <laughs> Should have Paul Bear and Undertaker recite all these lines in character. That and the, and the worst part is... Oh, don't start that again. Don't start that again. <laughs> but the worst part is half the sign, the other half of the sign is written upside down. Well, it's so when you flip it. But it looks weird. Because <laughs> initially, the reason I figured out what it said at the front was as we cut back, it fades. And then I suddenly see this woman holding a sign that says, that was raw, upside down. So I was like, has she gone it the wrong way around? So I rewind it. And then I see the sign very briefly at the front, which says, that wasn't nice. It's like, no, I get it's a flippable sign. Oh god! Whoever designed these at this point just deserves shooting. It's just shooting. But still, this was better than the first show. <laughs> it, it is. It's just very confusing, and it and it also creates these really wonderful out of context screen grabs, which I will put on one of these when we when uh, whilst you're listening to the show. 
it's more like out of body than out of context at this point. It's the bit with when Tito Santana has walked to the ring and he's smiling and holding up his hat to the crowd. And behind her is the raw woman looking straight at him, holding up the sign that says, that wasn't nice. <laughs> Doesn't make any sense. Smiling Tito Santana. He was the original Finn Balor. <laughs> he was, wasn't he? Similar jacket. <laughs> This segment begins with Bartlett asking about his parked car again and then immediately saying, sorry, you know Savage and or Vince shot him the meanest glare possible. I'd have smashed like, his car to pieces at this point. So if, he were, if he were still there in May, it would have been Sean going through his windshield, not Howard Finkel's. You know it. <laughs> oh my God, yes. That would have been brilliant. You know they'd have done that. <laughs> Rob Bartlett claims that, as I point out, it is Tito Santana versus Ric Flair in the main event. And Bartlett claims that Flair used to play Eddie Haskell. What year is this? Oh, God. What? <laughs> you couldn't go like like one of the kids on Full House, like one of the daughters. You couldn't, a kid from like a Nickelodeon show? No, Eddie Haskell. That is a well, hell of a reference. Well, at least Vince got it. Of course, Vince got it. Vince, Vince lived through it. Now, I like that Bartlett was hired for this show because they thought he would add something to it. And in the middle of this match, Flair takes a moment to call Savage out, like old times. Remember that great feud that oh, Flair and Savage had yeah. the previous that wonderful storyline where Flair claimed to have bedded Miss Elizabeth first. Where Flair Savage went a... went to the future, got Adobe Photoshop. Yes. Created the greatest photoshopped images you've ever seen. And, and wound Savage up in, into a, an incredible rage. Where it's like, I can't wait to see Savage kill this guy at WrestleMania. Remember how great that whole storyline was? I remember being a kid and watching that. And being just so wrapped up in wanting to see Savage beat up Ric Flair for being such right. a horrible person. And then the weird adolescent in me, the weird like eight-year-old kid in me, wondering if they were really going to drop a picture of Miss Elizabeth in the nud across <laughs> the arena as the match went on. Exactly. It was beautiful, was it not? Well, when Flair calls Savage out, Rob Bartlett goes, what was that about? <sighs> he doesn't know. He doesn't know the product. <laughs> it's, and it's so blatantly obvious there. No product knowledge whatsoever. And it's just like, like, can you imagine if if Andre and Hogan were on this show and Hogan was doing commentary and Andre says, I'm still going to get revenge for what happened six years ago. Rob goes, why, what happened there? He'd have gone, oh, what's, what's, what, why has Fezzik got an issue with you? <laughs> it's like, what happened? Was it like a, a girl come between you? I mean, what happened, Hawk? Goodness <laughs> sake. Flair and Santana is a weird main event for Raw. Because the whole, it's like with the first match, it feels very much like a 90s TV show, but with 80s wrestlers. It, not to say it wasn't a good match. It was a very oh, no, enjoyable it was a good, match. It was a good yeah, match. Yeah. It was just a very weird juxtaposition. Yes, and especially with Flair on his way out. I mean, he had, there's a reason why Flair's in this match. And so, but before we cross that bridge, we have a, uh, we have Savage and Repo made for next week. And Savage's like, I just got to think about what to do for the next seven days. And Vince says, we got to keep your mind on the rumble. Savage goes, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
<laughs> yes, Repo Man getting his hat back is now more important than qualifying for the main event of WrestleMania 9. Yeah, forget the Rumble. Forget the Rumble. I've got to get my hat back before I miss well, another payment. It's set, it's set with Mr. Forge from the trees. Think of how many hats I could buy if I won the Royal Rumble. <laughs> Think of how many hats I could put a down payment on. <laughs> Savage is the hats. What bleeding comes Murphy is the Fabergé eggs. <laughs> that is I'll, an amazing call. <laughs> I'll tell you when I've had enough. That is an amazing call. <laughs> but Bartlett, I, I will give credit where credit is due. Rob Bartlett actually had a semi-funny line during this match. Not a laugh-out-loud line, but kind of a <clears throat> good point. He gave you a titter. A little bit. He says, you know when you got a name like Flair, your career choices are pretty much mapped out for you. It was a very Seinfeldian line. But I, I like that line. It was because he's like, he's right. If your name's Flair, you're not going to be like a butler or something. That's very that's Okay. I, I didn't laugh, but it's a, it's, a, it's certainly a line. <laughs> it, it, are it, you it, and Rob Barlett the same person? It was fine. It was, I am it, it concerned, like, Justin. <laughs> The, the more we watch Raw, the more you will turn into Rob Bartlett. If I if I start asking about the status of my parked car, that's when you can start worrying. What I'll do is, if you start, if 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 I get a, if I get a sense, or if you listening get a sense that that Justin is becoming Rob Bartlett, let me know via Twitter at Tom Campbell. <laughs> And I'll insist that Justin watches Raw with the mute button on from now on. Just to kind of wean him off. <laughs> Rob but Bartlett. Then, but then I would miss all the context that Rob Bartlett brings. But I feel like if, if, if you start turning into him, it's for the greater good that I listen to the commentary and you don't. <laughs> I'll take notes on the visuals. There you go. Well, 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 I'll monitor it. I'll monitor it. So this match goes on. It's fine. It's like your typical seven or eight minute match. Flair and Tito are getting a lot in. Santana hits a flying forearm. He try, tries it again, but he goes over the top rope. Then Perfect runs out and attacks Flair for the DQ. The highlight of this brawl was not just the brawl itself, but Pat Patterson in a funky low-cut sweater with a necktie trying oh, to break it Pat up. Pat looked lovely in this brawl. He looked like somebody's uncle. I would have said a Cosby sweater, but that's not cool anymore. And we had a, uh, a Sergeant Slaughter appearance as well. Mm-hmm. Like all the King's horses and all the King's men come running in. You, you always tell what area you're watching based on which agents come out for the run in to break a fight up. These days you get Jamie Noble and Adam Pierce. Back then you had Rene Goulet and Sergeant Slaughter and Billy Red Lions. And... Actually, I didn't see Rene Goulet in this particular brawl, so it couldn't have been too bad a brawl. I, I think he was still there at that point, actually. In fact, I know... Still been there. As, as the brawl goes on, and so Perfect and Flair brawl to the back and they try to stop them. And at one point they go past the crowd and somebody in the crowd has... And, and, and I only see a few examples of this and the attention to detail is fantastic. Somebody with a dot matrix printer has written absolutely yes. perfect over four or five sheets of paper. The commitment <laughs> to make that is amazing. That, that is 1993 in a nutshell. And also, actually, I forgot to mention this earlier on. It was during the um, Santana 
So during the um, the Mr. Perfect match at the start, where they fall to the outside, and somebody has a flash bulb camera, and it just takes a photo of it, and then you look around, and that's the only camera you see, and it's like in this day and age, you just it'd be a sea of iPhones. Just exactly. filming it's... every moment of it. But this one guy with a flashbulb camera was very wholesome. And it was lovely to see. That and the dot matrix sign made it for me. <laughs> I used to think of like 1993 as being modern. But then, based on what you've pointed out and based on just my own viewing experience, I don't feel that way anymore. Just the sea of neon colors that people wear, the mullets, <laughs> um, the mustaches, as opposed to like beards and goatees. A lot more mustaches back in those days that were like weren't like ironic or anything. They were just how people wore their facial hair. It it, it really is like watching another time now. It's a like, weird transitional time. Is this sort of early to mid nineties because we're coming out of the eighties and we're going into something a bit uncharted, uh, <laughs> but we haven't quite let go of the eighties yet. It does. I I feel like it should have like a sepia drab sort of filter over the screen when I watch it now because it feels old. I was in third grade back then. I, it feels old. I tell you what makes it feel old is when they have shots outside and the camera catches a, a, a lamppost or some some neon lighting. And then when the camera moves away for a couple of seconds, there's still that imprint of light on the <laughs> yes. shot. Technology was so amazingly a 90s. So amazingly 90s. As if the starter jackets weren't enough. Exactly. It was, it was lovely. Loved it. So this is our ending segment now. We come back from the break. Flair and Perfect are still fighting. They're having a hellacious brawl here. And Flair challenges Perfect for next week. A loser leaves WWF match. And at one point during Flair's spiel when he makes the challenge, he just randomly walks away from Vince and hugs a woman in the front row, then comes back. Because it's Ric Flair. He's Ric Flair. He saw a lady he liked, came back, cracked on. <laughs> hey, Rick, what's her name? Uh, number 2,743. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because he's had a lot of lovers. Yes, yes, he but has. But this, this, this is an exciting moment because this is really... Next week, we're getting the first legendary Monday Night Raw match. Absolutely. This is like a legendary match, even now. Savage and Repo Man, right? Exactly. Savage and <laughs> Repo Man. And then Flair and Pervert do this release deal. I, I hear it was okay. But th- that was a. I remember that being the first sort of marquee <clears throat> raw moment was that match. So I'm excited that already we're building to it. <clears throat> also, it was like just one week of hype, inter- interfering each other's matches, and then this company ain't big enough for the both of us. So next week, we're going to settle it the night after the Royal Rumble. And then our parting shot, after Vince plugs both Loser Leaves Match and Savage vs. Repo for the almighty hat, we go outside and Repo Man is towing Rob Bartlett's car. Hey, that's my car! Fiend. Well, at least we got a bit of closure on the Rob Bartlett car parking situation. Not that we wanted it, but we got some. We still have to wait a week for closure on, on the whole hat deal. But at least this got at least this loose end got tied up in uh in one night, thankfully. It's a long week to wait, but we will get there, Justin. We will get there. 
keep on trucking. But genuinely, this was a much better episode than last week. I thought it was a first first week blues last week. They're kind of finding their feet, not quite sure what they are. I think even now they're not quite sure what they are. As I've said, the slogans are so bad, somebody does deserve shooting. But the match quality was good. Uh, You've got some stories going into next week. You had some hype for the Rumble. You had Undertaker trying to stop world hunger. It had everything that you want in a wrestling show. It it was much better in the sense that hay fever is better than dysentery. <laughs> that that is true. I mean, it, it ain't perfect, but by God, was it better than last week's show? It, it felt much more linear, much more structured. Matches were better overall, and uh, much more of a minimum of Bartlett being stupid. If he was a full blown ten on the first episode, he was down to about a six and a half here. Thanks for coming, Rob Bartlett. You are much better. Three more months of Rob Bartlett. <laughs> so next week, then, we have got the conclusion of the hat larceny story between Repo Man and Randy Savage. And we've got Loser Leaves to go to Atlanta again between Ric Flair and Mr. Perfect. Wonder no, who will win. No spoilers. They don't know. Well, both go to WCW at some point. This is true. But I I can't really blame you. But that is another story for another time. And our time today has concluded, Justin. Our time has concluded. This was was fun. Much less painless. Well, the episode, I should say. Uh, But it is always a pleasure working with you, Mr. Campbell. Always a pleasure to work with yourself as well. And if you enjoyed listening... uh, that beautiful gentleman there, Justin Henry, is at JRH Writing. Follow him on Twitter. He is a fun man to follow. Um, thanks. You're welcome. And I am at Tom Campbell. I am a, sometimes a fun man to follow. And obviously, if you're not doing so already, follow at Cultaholic. That's the main one. Follow them, please. And join us. Well, that about wraps it up. Do I have Thank to say Tom. that more aggressively? Uh, whenever I watch like well, Adam Pacitti do videos, he really well, goes, join us. I feel like I should match that man's lofty heights in terms of delivery. Well, Sam Driver is kind of the gold standard of join us with uh, with how resonant his voice is. Jack is more of a uh, – he's much more friendly when he, when he implores you to join us. So it, it really it, – it runs the gamut of how you can say it. There is no wrong way to say join us. We could say it with a question mark at the end, like join us. We could we could say it backwards. Us join. We could or soon noyai. <laughs> Mate, let's go home. We've been here ages. Yes. Thank right, you. join us or something. Love you. Bye. We good. And scene. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. 
Go to PrettyLitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Podcasts from. 